Hello and welcome to the Nerding Out Podcast. In this episode, I talk to my friend Kyle about Donald Trump getting COVID and how we are allowed to feel. Can we feel happy? Can we wish that he would die? And then we end with conspiracy review, where we discuss whether or not Trump is faking COVID and we speculate on the future of American democracy. Okay, let's get into it. Hi, Kyle. Hello. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. So I'll get right into it. When when, and how did you hear about the Trump news? So I found out about the Trump news, I believe it was Thursday night on Twitter from NBA national reporter Sham Sharania, who tweeted, the president and the first lady have COVID as if he was reporting an ACL tear from a player on the Pistons. It was the weirdest thing I have experienced in 2020, which is saying a lot. So you actually heard it, I mean, you saw the tweet basically right after it came out, right? Because I, I believe it was about 10.30 your time. Yeah, I saw it. I think I saw the Shams tweet nine minutes after it came out, if I recall correctly. <laughs> and I, I remember it's just like etched into my mind, because I was just like, whoa, it's all sort of seared in there now. Yeah, yeah. So well, you know what you were doing? You were just scrolling Twitter at 10.30. I, I was just like, like, yeah, I was just like scrolling, scrolling Twitter, like watching TV with my roommates. It was a very, very normal Thursday night. And obviously after that happens, you know, you're rushing to try and figure out like what happened, how this happens, who else might be implicated. And obviously like those are answers we didn't get until all throughout Friday, but still you're just like, you're like just scrambling for information that isn't there. Um, so yeah, that was, that was how I found out. There's no, there's no special story. I wish there was something funnier. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just summarize the TikTok of, I guess the, the summary of events. So I think the first big red flag was when it was reported that Hope Hicks tested positive and she had been hanging out with Trump at a bunch of different events. And then we later learned that the campaign knew that Hicks was positive and then they kept it secret for a really long time until it leaked out. And then after that, question mark, question mark, question mark, Trump apparently attended a few fundraisers knowing that he's been exposed to uh, Hicks. <laughs> and yep. then uh, he gets really tired and he gets COVID. And uh, since then, the campaign manager Bill Stepien, Chris Christie, Kellyanne Conway, like two Republican senators, like a shit ton of people all got COVID. Yeah, I believe it's, I believe it's Tillis and Lee are the two Senate Judiciary Committee ones that got it. Yeah, and, and now I think looking back, apparently the main event was the Saturday Amy Coney Barrett event at the White House, and they were all just like huddling and touching. And... Yeah, yeah, it, that's that's what it appears to be, which is also just so strange, just in terms of like 2020 cosmic irony that RGB dies, things are catastrophic, Amy Coney Barrett gets nominated, things are even more catastrophic, and then all of a sudden we have this huge super spreader event at, at one of her one of her sort of confirmation kickoff rally things. I don't even know what to call it. Her debut. It's just very yeah. It's it's just very strange how all of these things are connected and how like all of these like major stories kind of like weave back into one another. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it at all. You know how it's her job to to check on the executive. You could say she's starting. <laughs> God. 
God. No. <laughs> yeah, really, really, really rolling back executive power here. <laughs> no, I think I think the entire uh, executive apparatus is like sick or dying right now. But uh, yeah, it's, it's really bad. It's it's really it's really 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 bad. Like it's it's there's no way to sugarcoat this. Like it's it's not. You don't want like <laughs> like thirty percent of the executive branch to be falling ill with an extremely dangerous disease, especially when like half of them are high risk. So yeah, it's it's probably not what the Trump administration would like, if I had to guess. I think Mike Pence is probably uh, thanking God right now. You know, he, yeah, like, he Mike apparently Pence. believes that God made him vice president so that Trump could die and he would become president. That that feels that feels right. That does feel like the kind of thing he would like spin for himself. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, just just for the record, it's the fourth right now. So it's been two days since Trump got COVID. And people mm-hmm. are still learning that they find, they also got, got COVID from the same event because none of them were informed and they had to f- find out by themselves. Which, which also, like, I just think is extremely Trump. And we'll, we'll get to this in the conspiracy review, but, uh, <laughs> like, there's just, there's just so much stuff that he's already done that I think just instantly negates almost all of the conspiracy theories. But we'll, we'll get to that later. That's a, that's a tease for y'all. I think it's actually funny that every hour we learn that one more person got COVID and it's been two days. Should we move into the civility police then? I feel like that's a good transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so let's start with you. You think it's, you're saying it's, it's funny that like every hour someone new is coming out. Uh, so I think that dovetails nicely into our first question, which is how are, how are we allowed to feel? How do you think we're allowed to feel? So, you know, I'm actually ashamed that um, my first instinct when I saw the Trump news. Well, actually, no, not, not actually. That's not true. Because my first instinct was, my first feeling was thrill and happiness, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's totally okay. But then immediately afterwards, something within me was like, no, you're not allowed to feel this way. You must not feel this way. And since then, I've thought about it a lot. And, and I now believe that it's totally okay to feel some kind of thrill and excitement that Trump got it because he's literally spent months saying it doesn't exist. I think his carelessness and his ambivalence to the situation has actually killed probably at least 100,000 people. And also, I mean, he's on the other, just on other topics, right? He's put children in the cages and he's not felt a single thing. And the fact that we're being forced to empathize with him is ridiculous. It's like, it's like if a drunk driver if someone who's always drunk driving finally like drives off a bridge and dies, it's not surprising. No, um, actually, I actually think that's a really interesting analogy because I was I was speaking to someone about this yesterday and they were sort of giving me that same sort of pushback where they were saying, hey, like, it's not okay for us to be happy about this. It's not okay for us to do these things. And I think the, the drunk driving analogy is interesting because the point that I was trying to make to this person I was speaking with was, you know, this isn't a person who has been forced into a difficult situation. This is a person who has nearly limitless power and has nearly limitless privilege. And as a result of that, this isn't this is actually entirely different from wishing or, or being happy that a drunk driver is that because a drunk driver is probably somebody who's like struggling with addiction. It's probably somebody who doesn't have the means to have people drive for them. It's probably somebody who has like a more difficult set of circumstances that they're dealing with. There's, there's actually something to empathize with there. I would say that there's almost nothing redeemable 
in the context of Donald Trump to focus on here, other than the fact that he is a human life and that it's it. And the reason why I think that is because, like I said, he wields enormous power and he has used that power to oppress people across lines of gender, across lines of non-binary gender confirmation, across ethnic and cultural lines, uh, and across religious lines. And whether you want to assign all 200,000 plus to him, that's your business, not mine. But he has presided over the most vulnerable, whether he has attacked them directly or whether they have been attacked by this virus. Nobody made him do that. He made him do that. So I think we are well within our rights to be happy about this. And I think our compassion would be better spent on trying to help the people who are being disproportionately affected by COVID-19 in this country, rather than performatively saying, you can't hate your enemies. Yeah. And just by the way, he tried taking people's healthcare away during COVID, which is just insane. Like, who the hell thinks of that? But yeah, but, but I think it's important to note that it is true that COVID is never 100% someone's fault. Like, you could take every precaution and still get COVID. So it's not like it's 100% preventable. But at the same time, if you follow all the precautions, you could probably take down the risk by like 90%. But Trump is someone who's actively not done any of that and told other people not to, to do any precautions, right? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it would be unfair to sit here and do to Donald Trump what Trump has done to China throughout this entire thing, where he basically is saying a virus that originated in your country is now your fault, is now your responsibility, and is now like all of the, the death and the harm that has come as subsequently, all of it's your fault. Like you own all that responsibility. That's just, that's, that's quite frankly, that's bullshit. Health-based events like this, you know, they're going to happen and it's on us to respond to them. And I think at every turn, it's become very clear that Donald Trump has responded, not just poorly, but outward antagonistically to the idea of science, to the idea of preventative measures to keep people healthy. Um, and he's really only tried to govern this from the perspective of his own masculinity, which is basically like get sick equal weak, not sick equal strong. If we don't test, everyone seems strong. Like that's, that's like really his approach here. And it's, uh, it's just very off the rails and like to basically put your ego and your like reelection chances over the lives of 200,000 people. That is something I think we can hold him accountable to. And that's, that's as repugnant as it gets as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Yeah. So I think we covered how we both feel at the moment, but how, how do you feel now? How I feel right now, I feel sort of so i think that initial moment i had the same sort of back and forth as you i was like okay the compassion police came out and said like love thy neighbor love thy enemy and i was like okay that's a good point biblically speaking and then you know radical leftists came out and were like this person has been actively trying to suppress and kill people for four years and is a fascist like, and I was like okay that's also a good point and now i've sort of like centered on where i feel comfortable which is basically to say that like if somebody is going to wield a ludicrous amount of power to subjugate others. And, and also to be clear, as a public servant, then they should be evaluated as such. This, this person is supposed to be serving the public. And not only has he not served the public, he has actively sought to suppress them. As far as I'm concerned, that is a failure both of your job and as a person. And at that point, I think the world would very likely be better off without you. I think the next step is that right, if some people are going the extra mile and saying that they hope he dies. Which is, I, that, that, that's a harder one for me because 
I'm trying to be morally consistent, right? And I don't agree with the death penalty. I don't think anyone should ever be put to death. So I, I also don't think Trump should die, or I don't want him to die. But at the same time, I think it's undeniable that Trump is actually such a threat to democracy. Like the fact that every moment he is in office, you risk destroying democracy in America, and and in turn you risk destroying democracy in the world. And Trump is single handedly doing that. So his death would actually be. Would, probably save American democracy for another you know decade. But I don't know. Do, so where where do you stand on on the death thing? Because there are there are people right. Like I hope he dies. Yeah. So I would come back to. I think there's there's a few there's a few interesting things. So first of all, I think people who um, say I hope he dies, I actually think those people are like you're allowed to process like anger and frustration and trauma as like however you want. And I don't mean to weaponize sort of psychological language in that way, but just, I think those people are allowed to be that because those people have probably experienced this presidency in a way that like me as a byproduct of my gender, my being cis and my skin color, they've probably experienced these last four years in a way that I can't relate to on as visceral level as they can. So I can sit here and I can play the moral police game but at the end of the day, like I do not know, and I can never know what those people have been through. So I think the first thing I want to do is scale this back to saying, like, do I feel comfortable saying he should die, or do I feel comfortable saying he shouldn't die? And on top of that, we're supposed to hold him accountable as a public. And you know what? We talked about it earlier. There are so many systems that enable Republicans for minority rule in this country. And there are so many systems in place that allow Republicans to retain power at every single turn. In my opinion, saying I hope he dies is not a reflection of me being like, wow, human life is valueless and like we should take it whenever we want. No, it is a reflection of me saying this is a person who is using institutions, he's using power, he's using leverage, he's using everything at his disposal to let's call it what it is, attempt to kill other people. And you might be like, whoa, whoa, Kyle, that's that's extreme. But anytime you deny someone access to medical care, you're increasing the risk that they die. Anytime you lie about COVID, you're increasing the risk that they die. Anytime you cut unemployment checks and force people into houselessness, you are increasing the likelihood that people die. These policies have real material impact on people's lives. To deny that and to say like, oh, we have to be compassionate because person, I, I disagree. And I'll not say it like, I hope he dies because this is, this is what we're faced with right now. We're faced with he is the head of a political engine. He's not just a person anymore. He has ascended past the likes of power that any common person will ever have. He certainly wields more power at this moment than you and I have combined and will probably ever have. And so as a result, yeah, I think I think it's more about wanting the death of a political ideology and the death of a figurehead than it is about wanting the death of a specific person. So that's how I would defend it personally. Yeah, I well, I, I think I generally agree with you, but at the same time, I feel like now I'm being, I actually am forced to defend Trump a little, which is bizarre, but I, I completely agree with you that objectively, Trump dying is actually better for the world, it's better for democracy, it's, and, and as you said, right, his policies and his inaction has directly and indirectly killed hundreds of thousands of people. And yeah. not even just, even if you take aside COVID, his death is still objectively good for the world. But 
And I don't know if I agree on the notion that he is killing people through policy because I don't think that is his intention. I think as evil as he is, I don't think he's like, I want to kill people. I think it, he's just so vain. He's no empathy that he will just do whatever to to massage his ego for the day. But so I, I don't think, yeah, he is killing people intentionally, but I think he is killing people through his actions. And that, so that's, that's I, me defending Trump. Yeah, and, and my immediate counterpoint to that would be that his intention is irrelevant. This is a person who ascended his way to the office by calling Mexicans criminals and rapists, okay? This is a person who at every turn has demonized Muslims even further than they were already demonized in this country, which let us be clear, post 9-11 is a kind of impressive feat to go even further in demonizing this group of people who have already been abused and mistreated for the better part of 20 years. So to say that like, oh, well, I don't think he intends to, I just think he's vain. I just think he's all these things. Well, it's like, look, homelessness is a policy decision. Healthcare is a policy decision. People dying of healthcare or of not having healthcare, that's a policy decision. People dying because they can't get food, because they can't have a roof of it, that is a policy decision. And whether you make it because you're stupid and vain or you make it because you're actively vindictive and malicious is irrelevant. You're enabling the people who say, you know what, I gotta squeeze an, I gotta squeeze an extra 0.05% out of my company and out of my profits just so that I can, you know, or just, just that I can be richer. And I don't care who has to die because of it. And at the end of the day, that's the choice that he has made. He's basically said, these things are more important than these lives. And once you've made that decision, your intention becomes irrelevant. If you want to say that profits, companies, the economy are more important than people dying, you've made your decision. Your intention is irrelevant at that point. Mm, yeah, I would disagree with you, but I, I, I still agree in the, the general picture. I think... For me, I think it does not cross a line to say that I hope Trump dies. I think that's within people's right to say or think. But I think that that's a good segue or, or transition into that Twitter policy that just came out or supposedly came out in April, where uh, Twitter is now suspending people's accounts for saying that they wish Trump dies. I don't know about all that. Would you like to go first on this one? I've been talking for a while. I'd, I'd love to see your perspective on this as uh, sort of, you know, a techie and somebody who I think has followed Twitter and Twitter's development for a very long time. Look, you know, Jack Dorsey and I go way back. No, yeah. <laughs> I so I, I, I just stated my position, but I, I think I believe it's totally within the line for people to say, I hope someone dies. I think it is outside the line to say that I am going to go kill you or which is which is actually at that point a threat as opposed to a, a passive thought. But I think for me, Twitter goes beyond moral rights and wrongs. I think Twitter trying to make its platform a safe place with less harassment is better for everyone. And I think when you look at the responses from people like Ilhan Omar or AOC, right, where in response to the Twitter policy on banning people, their, their response is basically like, well, you know, what, what were you doing this entire time, right? Because their mentions have just been full of the exact same tweets for years and years, and Twitter's done nothing. All it took was Trump dying for Twitter to enact this policy, whereas they've been completely blind to women and minorities just being harassed day in and day out on Twitter forever. 
So for me, I agree with, I agree that you should probably not allow people to be so toxic on your platform because I think your platform doesn't have to be completely aligned with free speech and the law. I think sometimes when you go the full free speech route, you get 4chan, right? So that's my initial thoughts on this, but how about you? Yeah, I, I think I think you and I are pretty close on this one. And I think you kind of hit on all of my like likes and dislikes about this policy. Like I, I would say this, if you're gonna enforce it like carte blanche, like fairly across the board and just be like, look, like you can't wish people want to die. You can't say, I want to go kill someone. Then, then sure. Like at the end of the day, Twitter has every right. Like Twitter is not like a public park. Like, you know, you don't get to just go free speech wherever you want. Like you are being admitted into that space by Twitter. And like Twitter has no obligation to you. Twitter to, to like have perfect free speech on their platform. That's not their responsibility. So I actually think, I think they're well within the rights for this. To your point, the fact that they have allowed the continued and targeted abuse of women, of black people, of people of color, politicians like Johan Omar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, like I, I can't take you seriously, Twitter. Like that's really what this comes down to. And, you know, I think, I think both sides of the aisle on this one think that they're conspired against. I think all right people think Jack Dorsey is like a liberal who like wants to see the death of all American institutions. And I think people on the far left think Jack Dorsey is a fascist. I think the answer is he's probably somewhere in the middle, like, and just is trying to run a decent platform and a decent product. Um, and on top of all this, I just think, I just think if you're gonna deploy this fairly and evenly, then like, yeah, it's probably a good policy. But as it stands, if you're only gonna do this when somebody's wishing it for Trump, it's a shit policy and it's disingenuous. That's kind of where I come down on it. Yeah, so I think we're pretty aligned on that one. Although I guess a different wrinkle into that argument, right, would be, so we, we had this issue a while back where Trump was like trying to, he was threatening some kind of nuclear war with someone on Twitter, I think it was North Korea, right? And liberals mostly were like, you know, this is actually against <laughs> Twitter's policies because you're actually threatening violence. And then Twitter basically went dark for a day, and then they came out with a new policy saying that threats of violence, that policy does not apply to public officials because their tweets are newsworthy and therefore should not be deleted. Which I actually agree with that. I don't think, I don't think it's Twitter's place to censor the president. Like if Trump wants to declare war on Twitter, I don't think Twitter should delete that tweet. So I don't, what do you think about that one? Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I also just think like, it's just a classic like center center liberal thing to be like, on a technicality, like Donald Trump should be banned from Twitter. Like, it's just like, dude, <laughs> you, you, you wanna, you wanna, you wanna argue the terms and conditions rather than the fact that this person is like actively subjugating people. That's, that's the thing that like really frustrates me about that story. But I'm inclined to agree with you. Like if, if he wants to use this platform as a place to like express political actions and like to express like political steps that he is taking. I think generally speaking, the the tweets should not be deleted, especially when it's like state to state, like if it's like one country to another country, just because at the end of the day, like if it didn't come out on Twitter, then it would probably come out in the press release like one way or the other. So it's, I, I don't think it's, it's like radical. I don't think like Twitter is enabling something unique to happen, if that makes sense. And so, on top of that, the other thing that I would say as well is that, it, like, it is newsworthy. He's, he's the president of the United States. Like, as illegitimate as he seems, it's worth being aware of what he is saying and what he is doing. If 
Trump is actively weaponizing his account against individuals, then I think Twitter has a responsibility to step in because that presents like a real danger to those people, both at a literal physical level and also just like destroy their experience on the platform. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right on on that one because you're right that that policy makes sense for tweets about foreign policy or government, whereas there are Trump tweets where he just singles out a random person, like sometimes not even public officials, he singles out a private person, and then yeah. his army of of Twitter followers just go and target them, not just on Twitter but in prob in real life as well, and it's just insane. Yeah, and I think I think. Twitter has a responsibility to try and prevent the snowball effect of of weaponizing people's followings. That's an incredibly huge task. Obviously, like I don't want Trump being like, retweet me or I'll go to war with you, Denmark, on Twitter. But like, I I would hope. <laughs> no, I, I no, it's a Twitter poll. Yeah, I, I would hope there are like you know legitimate ways that the platform can be used. That are not as as risk risk averse. Okay, so so the the realistic argument from a lot of people would be that, hey, it's basically impossible to moderate the president's account because anything we do could be misconstrued as being biased, and generally, I think I think that's probably true, right? It, it's such a political landmine that you can't expect Facebook or Twitter to actually do that task. So I would be okay. Would you be okay with them basically just not touching? At real Donald Trump, but in enforcing their rules equally on normal accounts, like if someone is like tweeting at Ilhan Omar and just going completely toxic, then they they should do that. They should apply their rules evenly. Yeah, I think I think the rules the rules should be applied evenly. But I also think I, what I would say personally is an organization's willingness or lack of willingness to come out and make a political stance is inherently a function of capitalism. These people do not want to come out and take these stances because they're afraid of how it's going to hit their bottom line. I would just set very, very clear standards as to like where those lines are as they exist now. To your point, like, yeah, you might be perceived as being biased, but like also, you know, taking a stand takes bravery, which I think a lot of these companies have shown they, they completely lack. Yeah. So one last thing before we move on, there's been this thing right where the, the Biden campaign has started doing it, where they've pulled all their negative ads, and there's this sense that like because Trump is sick and potentially on his deathbed, and 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 the government is in turmoil and and on and on and on, that we're no longer allowed to criticize Trump. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, no. So I think based on how I've discussed everything up to this point, I think people would probably infer. That I'm the type of person who'd be like, no, like go negative, like keep hammering, like use power as power is available. But I actually don't hate this decision. I think it shows Biden has like a sense of decency. But also, I think you still press your advantage by being really aggressive on the campaign trail. But don't do it by being like, look at me, I'm three years older and I'm powerful and I can do push-ups. Trump can't. But like, I think it's better to just go out and just, just continue to be present and be really positive, and then hopefully by. By default, it becomes clear that it's like, wow, like Trump is a toxic, vile individual. Um, no, okay. Well, actually, yeah, I, sorry, go ahead. yeah, I do agree with you on the, the campaign thing. I think I think we can take the campaign thing out of the uh, equation. Actually, I I, I don't mm-hmm. think I should have brought it up because it's more of a cynical decision, right? Like, what do you do to win the election? Whereas, I, I guess the other argument would be that 
there is a growing movement to it's almost you can't criticize Trump because he's sick but not just that it, it goes a little bit beyond that right where it starts to erase his crimes a little bit yeah you're, you're talking about sort of like the I, I don't know if people are calling it this but I think this is a, a worthwhile term uh, you're speaking about like the Boris Johnson effect right like the yeah, idea yeah. that like Boris Johnson Boris Johnson gets COVID everyone in the country rallies around him and yeah, I'd be lying if I said it didn't give me like a little bit of cause for pause. And then like seeing people like Rachel Maddow come out and be like, Trump is a fascist. And then two days later be like, we should you a speedy recovery so you can get back to killing democracy. Like, it's just baffling to me. Like, it, it really does break my brain. I disagree with the British thing. I think it's also very American. Well, not the core, yeah. but it's the, the whole pushback of like, oh, no, no, this is not about Trump. This is about the presidency. This is about the office. This is about the institution. Like, oh, wait, now you care yeah. about institutions? Yeah, and I think I think that's, I think the way that you press the advantage there as Joe Biden, and if you're going to criticize Trump, criticize Trump on policy, and criticize Trump on the way that he has abandoned people, but don't make this about, like, he's weak, he's frail. Because at the end of the day, also, like, COVID is a danger to all of us. To try and, like, come out of this and, like, have Joe be machismo Joe. He's like shirtless on stage, like doing pull-ups before his, his speeches. <laughs> he could probably still get COVID because it, it hasn't yeah. activated yet. Yeah. I hope Joe Biden doesn't decide to play this on lines of just like, he's weak, I'm strong. I, I don't no, think that's No, 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 no. He, he's too nice. He's too nice. He's probably just like calling Trump and then praying for him and rubbing his groceries. But yeah. Anyways, let's review some conspiracies. Oh, yes, let's do it. <laughs> Conspiracy review. So um, the first one that I, that I had written down is that uh, when... So actually, right when Hope Hicks got COVID and Trump was about to be tested, a bunch of uh, QAnon Twitter accounts basically were saying that this is the long-awaited storm and Trump is actually faking COVID so that he would be secured inside a bunker while the entire apparatus goes out and arrests the democratic cabal of pedophiles. So, yeah, thoughts on this conspiracy theory? Um, not great. It's not what I'd like to see people talking about in the year of our Lord 2020. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think this is nuts. I think this is absolutely off the rails. And I think it's off the rails for like, the same reason why we're, we're going to get into, you know, that Trump is faking COVID to get out of debates uh, conspiracy later. I think I think all of these are like auto debunked by the fact that like. If you gave Trump the opportunity, you said Trump, you can fake looking weak for two days to come back looking even stronger or you can just or you can just stay looking like normal as is. There's no way he has the attention span and like the lack of vanity necessary to be able to be like, OK, like, I'm going to do this like chess master three-piece move to like try and go into my bunker and hide for uh, two weeks because that's going to be powerful. It literally defies logic. And then on, to couple on top of all this, by all accounts, Trump detests hospitals. Like literally any reporter that you can find is reporting the fact that he does not like hospitals. The fact that he went to Walter Reed is out of an abundance of caution, I think is probably like 30% true, 70% false. And on top of all of that, he was like making fun of people for getting, she was making fun of Hillary for getting pneumonia four years ago. And then he's making fun of like people for getting COVID. And for us to think that like, he just went and became Bobby Fischer and he's gonna like pull these master 40 chess strategies. It's just insane. 
Yeah, because Trump is has always been strategic. And you know what? You know what? I expect it out of QAnon. I expect it out of the, the freaks that follow QAnon. And I'm sorry. If you're listening, you guys are freaks. Seriously, go outside. There's parks. Get a vaccine. I'm begging you. Okay, now that that's out of the way, the weird Dems, I'm really embarrassed with about this, though, that Trump is faking COVID to get out of the debates. Look, I didn't watch the debate. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I watched the debate. But I can't imagine Joe Biden, who I've listened to speak quite a fair amount over the past 12 to 18 months, I can't imagine he bodied, he bodied that. I can't imagine he bodied Trump so thoroughly that he was like, no, I don't want any more of this. Like, it's two incoherent old men with bad brains. Like, there's no way Trump want, didn't want to do that. And the other thing I would say too is, Trump loves the opportunity to talk shit in a podium style. Like, it's, that's his strength. That's where he most primarily exists. Yeah, I just think these are galactically stupid. So I'd like to see, I, I want to know where you come down. Do you think like there's maybe more legitimacy with these than I'm giving credit for? Do you think they're completely off the rails? Where do you fall? Okay, so the, the QAnon thing has continued to be baffling, right? Because the whole premise is that Q is someone who's in the know and he's dropping these poetic, cryptic messages for no reason. And you have these like grandmas and grandpas just trying to decipher random messages. So that's all. And Q's also been proven wrong like 10,000 times. But so the QAnon thing is stupid. But yeah, the, de- the, the debates thing is, is also stupid, but I see where people are coming from because I did watch the debates. Trump looked really stupid in the debates and a lot of the um, reactions and polls post-debate suggested that it was bad but i think a lot of democrats were huffing glue a little bit where they were like "Ooh, trump like just immolated on stage and oh he he is so scared of the second debate because uh the second debate is in 14 days and if he fakes covid he'll be in quarantine 14 days i i think you're right i don't think trump is strategic and and i don't think he's ever shown to be strategic or pick anything long-term over the short-term. And the short-term being he looks weak. And also he undermines his whole COVID message. So I, I think that those two conspira- conspiracy theories are, are pretty bad. Okay, actually I just realized that uh, there's one more conspiracy theory we need to go over before we uh, we end this thing. So uh, let me, I don't know if you've seen it. it he was tweeting overnight. Okay, okay. It, well, it's not really a conspiracy theory. So uh, this is from Steve Schmidt, who was the former campaign manager for John McCain. He was the guy who handpicked Sarah Palin. And to his credit, he basically has spent four years trying to walk back his decision to pick Sarah Palin. And he's basically, he came out so aggressively that John McCain did not invite him to his funeral when he died. Anyways, so right after all the, uh, the Trump shenanigans, he tweeted, Titanic hit the iceberg at 11.40 p.m. There was a slight shudder. Most passengers were undisturbed. Two hours and 40 minutes later, she was 1,400 feet deep in the North Atlantic. The lethal event was barely noticed. The consequences played out in spasms of fear and chaos. That is the Trump campaign tonight. It is imploding under the staggering weight of its lying and corruption. The staffers are enraged about the recklessness of their leadership. It's all going down. You can feel it. This is the week that finished the Trump presidency. The end is near. Wow. 
I mean, he certainly has a way with words. Good Lord, that is such politician writing. I mean, look, here's the thing. Every time we've declared Trump dead and we put the nails in the coffin, he's just like walked out the front door two minutes later. I think about that tweet where it's like, Trump is never going to wriggle his way out of this one. And it's just like <laughs> Trump easily wriggles his way out of it. The, the staffers being mad, like, yeah, they're probably mad. They're probably annoyed, all that sort of stuff. Maybe they're even, maybe it even seems like they're all never going to come back to work today. They will be back a week later. They will be towing the line. Every single Republican in the Senate will be towing the line. Every single Republican in the House will be towing the line. They will be doing everything in their power to get the election delayed, to suppress voters, especially in the South, but all over the country. They'll come right back and they'll all say Donald Trump is the strongest president we've ever had because he beat COVID in six days instead of 14. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. By the way, Republicans, um, re Republicans always come home. That's that's the, the lesson to take. They always come home. They're never going to defect to Democrats. And uh, by the way, I, I didn't read the rest of his uh, long, 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 long thread, but he goes on to, to plead to the staffers and he starts talking about Normandy. And he's like, you know, you, it's still not too late to join the, the good team and, and it talks about like World War II and it's just the, just the epic scale of, of this Twitter thread. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I, I don't think, I don't think so. That's my take on this. I don't think so. Would it be great if this happens? Absolutely. I'd love it for, I'd love it for Trump to come back to an empty office. Like it's the finale of the Fresh Prince and he's just like, where did everyone go? That'd be great. It will not happen. Okay. They're all in a death pack together. Okay. They, they're going down to the bottom of the ocean. They're going down to the bottom of the Titanic together. Okay. So your verdict on this conspiracy theory slash wishful thinking is, is what? Bad, false. Well, is it fair to call this conspiracy theory? I feel like this is just. I, I feel I, like I think it's wishful it from, thinking. Yeah, I think it's like wishful thinking, whereas a conspiracy is like, here's all the answers, like Trump 40 chess. In this particular context, I think this one has more legitimacy than the other two we looked at, you know? But also, the guy that wrote that decided to compare the situation to the Titanic and followed that metaphor all the way through to its conclusion and Normandy, which means that. On one hand, he could be right. On the other hand, he could just be doing a lot of cocaine. And I think it's probably <laughs> the latter rather than the former. <laughs> now, now that we're done making fun of conspiracy theories, do you want to speculate wildly? Do you think he'd, like, right now nobody knows what's going to happen to him? Do you want to speculate at all? Oh, God. I mean, knowing that there's, like, no good in the world, like, he'll make a full recovery and, like, he'll <laughs> be backed by, like, a landslide of national pride. He'll win re-election with 400 electoral votes, and then he'll announce that we're invading China on November 4th. And then I'll get drafted in the military and die somewhere outside Beijing. That's my, that's my speculation. But no, I mean, I think, I think he has COVID. It looks a little bit suspect for a minute there, but he probably recovers because he has access to the best medical care in the world. And then the election kind of proceeds as if this never happened. I don't think, I think if he recovers by like October 21st, I think the election is largely un, unaffected by this. Yeah, I think if I had to speculate, despite Trump being in the high risk zone, despite him being old male who's obese, he will likely survive. And I think he will lose the election. But I don't know. I, I, I think 
And I guess it helps him justify his defeat a little bit. And right now, you're you're actually seeing Republicans saying that um, they're saying Joe Biden should either stop campaigning for two weeks, or they should delay the election by two weeks just to be fair, which is like the dumbest thing ever. It's that's I just I don't even find that to be like humorously dumb. I find that to be like infuriating. But yeah, that's that's pretty much everything I have. I actually there's there's one last thing that I wanted to call out uh, that I think is relevant to this topic. It's it's a thread from somebody who writes about sports, but I think it's actually a really, really good thread to look at. It's from Zito at underscore Z-E-E-T-S. He's talking about Herman Cain's death, but in the context of Donald Trump. He said, someone asked me how I felt about Herman Cain when he died. And I said, it's the same way I feel about wasted life. I pity evil people that in this excellent experience of life, they use their power to crush others. I have no desire to showcase my compassion by forgiveness. And I think it's embarrassing and disrespectful to watch those evil people condense and ruin the lives of so many others and treat it as normal and acceptable, and then fall over oneself to extend compassion and forgiveness to the people who are unrepentant of what they did. The world is hard enough, and I'm well aware of the people who are designed to be sacrificial, the lives that don't matter, the people who are condemned. I don't understand why anyone would think I would choose the side of the perpetrators of the violence instead of those on the receiving. And that's the end of the quote, but Whenever I think about the idea of like, is it okay to say, oh, like, is Trump, like Trump should die, I hope he dies. I come back to this thread, which basically says, it's much more important to spend our time and emotional energy thinking about the people who are victims of the violence and the violent political outcomes that Donald Trump has facilitated than it is to think about the perpetrators of that violence. That's all I got. I think that's a great way to end it. But uh, yeah, I think uh, if Trump dies, I'm not gonna shed a tear. But hopefully, the better outcome would be the voters vote him out and he dies metaphorically. Not going to disagree with you on that, or I'm not going to agree with you on that one, but, you know, have it your own way. Should we wrap this thing up? Tell us where we can find the podcast. Honestly, it's not available yet, so uh, we'll, see where we, we'll see where it pops out. Not, not on Spotify. Okay, not on Spotify. That's good to know. But where can, they, where can they find you on social media? Can they find you on GitHub? Can they find you on Twitter? They can actually find me on GitHub at uh, Cousin Greg. They cannot find me on Twitter. No, I do not plug my Twitter, but I'll plug yours. Is that all right? Your secret Twitter account, which people can attempt to follow, but you might not no, have, have, follow. No, I have, I have a public Twitter now. I have a public Twitter now. Oh, shit. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, everyone, you can go follow me. I have limited followers. But if you like what I talked about today and you want to hear more about it, as well as many other things, you can follow me at KDIsTyping at KD is typing. You can also find me doing a little bit of writing occasionally every now and again at kyletypes.com. So come through, say hello. Uh, don't be a stranger. My DMs are always open. Well, yeah, this guy types. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I do. I've been known to type. All right. Well, thank you for uh, doing this. We'll talk again after yeah, the of course. or something. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to check in a month from now and see what hell 2020 has wrought. Yeah, all right, awesome. bye.